Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and have a seat if you would. Yes, we sing to God with arms high and hearts wide open. That's my prayer for all of us today that you're here. You may not be able to hold your hands high yet today because you're still just trying to understand who God is, who Jesus Christ is in your life. But here's what I do believe. All of us can come, and all of us can come this morning and open our hearts and open our minds, and we can ask God to speak to us, that he would show himself to us today, that we can leave here knowing him in a way that we never have before, and the power of his word and how he wants to work in us and through us. So if you would, go ahead and grab your message notes out of your program. They look like this, and you're going to be able to take some notes and follow along today uh, and write down some things that we talk about as we talk about engaging the Bible. Now, right at the top of your notes is uh, our theme verse for this series that we're in on 40 Days in the Word, and this is what it says from Deuteronomy chapter 8. It says, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And if that's true, if we live by every word that comes from Him, then it stands to reason that you and I need to know what that word is. We need to be in it. We need to be reading it. We need to be devouring it. We need to be letting it touch us in our lives. And so we have this spiritual emphasis we're in called 40 Days in the Word that we're doing together. I hope you're doing it. If you're not, it's still not too late to join a group. I know that several groups are getting kind of, you know, uh, discombobulated this week because of the Halloween and our fall family festival that we're doing. And so, you know, I know that our group's not meeting on Wednesday, but we decided and we met this week that it doesn't matter. We're going to do every study. Even if we go all the way into December, a couple of weeks, we're still going to do every one. So you can still join a group and maybe they're going to be over on their second week if you choose to be part of one. Just love to have you be part of that. Here's what I want to ask you to do. For the next several weeks, we're going to be have messages on Sunday morning that are going to be talking about the Bible and how the Bible can apply to our lives, how to understand it better. I'm just going to ask you to be here every week, all the way through December 2nd. I'm going to ask, be bold enough to ask you to change some plans and be here. When you have to, you're making decisions about what are you doing a weekend and something comes up, say, you know what? I need to be at church because I need to hear what we're talking about when we talk about God's Word. So the Sunday morning messages will all be guiding us. Community groups, they'll be guiding us. Oh, man, our community group was off the charts this week. As we got together and we talked about God's Word, it was just wonderful to be there and just exciting to be with other people who were pursuing Him as well. Got several emails this week from groups, especially you new groups, who wrote in to say how you were just amazed that everybody showed up, more people showed up than you thought in some cases, and that you had a great experience with Him. I just want to encourage you to keep on with that. It was a great experience. We also talked about memory verses. We're going to memorize verses. And so this week we had our first one. And so I'm just going to ask, challenge you here to see how you're doing on this. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, without a screen, to say the memory verse out loud with me. Ready? Go. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So if you couldn't do that, that's like the simplest one we could have. We'll pop it up right here. It's not going to get any easier, folks. So I just tell you. So you need to work on this a little bit so you can have these down. And on our group, what we learned is this whole idea about meditating on the, the Bible. And we talked, we emphasized every word. And then we talked about which word spoke to us as we did that. And for me, it was the word richly. It was the word richly. And I just said, you know what? I need to come to God's word and devour it richly. And what I talked to my group about is I love espresso. 
and I love to drink espresso, and I just love certain moments when I can make my espresso at home. I've got a certain, you know, cup that I drink it out of, get the right amount of crema on top, and I just sip that espresso and just sip it. It's just so awesome, and I'm just, just bringing it, just <laughs> sipping that drink in, and I'm loving every moment of that. And I thought about that when we were talking about richly, and I said, that's the way God wants me to come to his word. He wants me to sip it. He wants me to, do, you know, just cherish every moment in that. And I realize there are times I don't do that. And that's what he's calling us to do. You know, I could be like my son, and, you know, and we come down to sit down to dinner. He devours it before we even can blink. He's got it all down. That's the way some of us approach God's word. But God, God wants us to do is he wants us to sip it. He wants us to cherish it. He wants us to draw it in inside of ourselves. And we're also having these daily readings that we're doing, and I want to encourage you to do that. that uh, every day, we, last week, we read through Philippians. Wonderful uh, encouragement. And also, we're having these daily devotionals that you can watch online, videos. If you've not done that yet, oh, man, you're missing out on just that octane boost that you can get from watching these. It's just really cool to do that. Uh, our group met Wednesday night was the first meeting, so that meant Thursday for us was day one. So yesterday I watched day three and was so inspired by Dave Gibbons. And so if you don't have access to that somewhere, you want to figure out how to watch those every day because they really build on what we're doing in this series as well. And then the last component is our Extend Compassion. You know, we believe around here that God's Word is powerful and it will change our lives. And the way that we can see it changes our lives is in how we love others. How we love others. Not how we, you know, come to church every week and just get more information, but how we love other people. And so in your program, there's this Extend Compassion piece. Gives you several ideas of how you can do with a group or individually. On the back side, it talks about our all church extend compassion things that we're all going to do together. Fall Family Festival, Operation Christmas Child, November 18th is our food drive that we want to stock the shelves of our food banks uh, that day from all the food that we bring. And December 2nd, just we're going to give a celebration offering just to thank God for what he's doing. We're going to do that all church together and how he's going to use that as well. So that's where we're going. That's what's happening, and so I just want to encourage you to be involved, and today what I want to do, I wish I had more time today, I just really do. What I want to do is I'm going to give you just a bunch of presents today. If you just like opening presents at Christmas, and you just get to open every one, you get to see it, and every one is a gift to you that God wants to give you when you engage in his word. It's not going to be anything new. I guarantee you, you're going to know most of what I'm going to share today, but what I hope is that God's going to just wake you up to what he can do when you open up his word and you engage with it. And then it can change us when we do. It can transform us. So we're going to look at this. We're talking about letting the Bible change us. Dwight L. Moody, famous pastor from a little over 100 years ago, made this powerful statement. He says, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. And a lot of folks get this confused, and they think that spiritual maturity is just more knowledge, and that I know more than someone else, and so give me those nuggets, or let me go deeper in this way. And if I go deeper, then I'm deeper, and I'm deeper, and I'm deeper, but they're not more mature. And what God says, the way you know you've gone deeper is the way you love other people. And so we talk about that. It's in the way we live. It's not in information, but it's in transformation. And I look at Hebrews 4.12 says, it says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. This is every boy's verse right here. I mean, just a sword, just so sharp, right, guys? Sword so sharp, and it's just that way, and it's alive. It speaks to us. So just know, right up front, 
This book is different than any other book on the face of the planet. It's not just words on a page. It's alive. When you open this, God speaks out of this book to you. That's why when you read this, you're so surprised. I read this, I've read this verse a hundred times, and it never spoke to me like this. It just bumps out at you, jumps out of you in a way, and you realize that this book is alive and that God is speaking to you today what he wants you to know. And sometimes he shows you things that you may not like, but he wants you to know that this is, this is the way, this is what he wants you to see. And based on this verse, I love this quote by Martin Luther. He says, the Bible is alive, it speaks to me. It has feet, it runs after me. It has hands, it lays hold of me. So when you open this book, that's what it does for you in your life. It's the living word of God. And so I'm going to talk to you today about what happens when we engage it. Five different things that happen when we engage this book. And the first one is this. The word of God recreates my life. It recreates my life. Here's what I know. I know that my life, to say this, before I met Jesus Christ, my life was a mess. Some of you can relate to that, right? You can relate. My, your life was a mess. The Bible says that we are in darkness. The Bible says that we are spiritually dead, unable to relate to him. So our lives are a mess. And what happens is this book gives us the key, the way so we can take my life that it's a mess, my life that's broken, that I'm spiritually dead, and it can recreate me and bring me to life. It can give me a life I've never known. God speaks to you, and he shows you through the pages of this book how he wants to recreate your life. Here's what he wants to do. He wants to give you a fresh start. More than that, though, we, he wants to cause you to be born again. So if you don't like that phrase, it's been used in some negative ways, but it's the truthful phrase. He wants to cause you to be born again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul's writing about this recreation that can happen through Christ. He says, anyone who belongs to Christ. First of all, just underline anyone. Isn't that awesome? It doesn't leave anyone out. Anyone, anyone. And then who? Belongs to, belongs to Christ. There's the next key. Anyone who belongs, so anyone can belong to Christ. Anyone then who does belong to Christ has become a what? New person. They become a new person. Not a remodeled person. Not a rehabilitated person. Uh, not uh, just a kind of changed person where I've made you know, the old self look better in some way. But a new person. And when you accept the living word of God into your life, when you accept Jesus Christ's word, Jesus Christ, he's the word made flesh. When you accept him, when you make it your goal to follow him, the Bible says we get a whole new life, a whole new life. Now, the Bible has the power to change us. Somebody wrote in their card last week, I don't remember exactly who it was, wrote in their card last week and we're talking about the Bible, said, you know what, Ron, I got somebody at my workplace uh, who says, you know what, I don't need the Bible. Uh, there's so many self-help books out there today that I don't need the Bible. And I just thought about that. I thought, well, you know, I, I, I started to Google it, and I didn't, uh, just to see. But, I, I, you know, how many self-help books are there? Million? Let's just say a million. Okay, let's just say there's a million self-help books. That's probably a, a really conservative estimate right there, a million self-help books. Okay, think about that. How many Bibles are there? One. 
a million self-help books trying to do what one, only one book can do. And here's the deal. Self-help books, they give you the information to change. The Bible gives you the information to change. The Bible adds one thing that a self-help book can't add, and that's the power to change. God gives you the power to be different and the power to change. So that's the first thing. The Bible recreates my life. Second is this. It eradicates my guilt. Just one present after another. It eradicates my guilt. And I don't know if you know this. Some of you think that, you know, God just kind of wants you to walk around guilty and feeling shame. And maybe you're part of a church, and that's kind of what they, every week you came in and they told you how bad you were. And that you, the, the, the idea whether the church was successful or not is how bad people felt when they left. Well, that's not what God wants, okay? God wants you to be free from shame and guilt. He wants you to experience, as we just sang about, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, and it made me new, and I am now free from guilt. Look at what Paul says in Romans 8, talking about this whole idea of being free from guilt for those who are in Christ. For there is now no condemnation for those who, once again, belong to Christ. Notice that, belong to Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. Circle that, freed you. So I just want to say it again. Because I want you to get it. Some of you have heard this information before, and it's still not lodged in your heart. Just listen very carefully. God does not want you to carry shame and guilt through your life. God wants you to be free of shame and guilt. He does not want you to walk around in life, oh, I'm just so guilty, and I'm so, you know what guilt does to you, you know, so guilty, I'm just, he wants you to be free, he says, and you are free when you are in Christ, you're not only forgiven, but he forgets it, you're free, you know, you feel guilty as long as it takes you to confess, just know that, as long as it takes you to confess that, so that guilt is for a reason, and when you confess it, it's gone, he says he casts it as far as from the east is from the west, it no longer exists in his mind, you can be free from guilt. Third is this, another present we're going to open up. The Bible activates my faith. It activates my faith. Now, this is really important because faith gives us confidence. Faith gives us confidence, and we all need confidence. I was just thinking about this, though, this morning during first service, and I thought the Detroit Tigers need more confidence than anybody else today, right? As we go into this they need some confidence. Yeah. Pardon? Oh, I know they need it, but I'm not wanting it for them, okay? I mean, did you see the attitude in the dugout, right? They need it. They need some confidence, okay? We want it to go at least another game, right? Okay, so there we go. So faith gives us confidence, though, and then we should look like we have confidence instead of looking like we've been beaten down. See, without the Without the promises of God lodged in us, we don't experience the power of God that he wants to work through us. So we need to understand his promises. And when we consume his book, when we devour it, as we learned this week, we ruminate on it, then what happens is, is that we're able, able to be strong and God's power flows in me and through me. Now, I, if you're doing the, you know, the daily devotionals on video, yesterday, for my group, since we met on Wednesday, yesterday was day three, and we watched Dave Gibbons. And a powerful story he told, but he, he, he had this quote, and I went back and I, I watched it and then uh, uh, actually transcribed it so I could read it to you today. This is what he says. 
He says, when you invest the time listening to God through his word, instead of waking up feeling the drudgery and the boredom and the routine and the worry, is that how some of you wake up? You walk into the kitchen, you know, immediately you're feeling the drudgery of another day, the boredom of the same old, the routine, or you're just worried about everything that comes at you, and so you start your day in that perspective. He says this, instead, wake up thinking about the expedition, the exploration, the great adventure that God has called you to. Change your focus. Let God's word activate your faith so that you can change your focus from how bad it is to how awesome it is that you get to have this expedition today, whatever that happens to be, or this adventure with God and this journey that he's called you to do. So it activates our faith. Look at what it says in Romans 10, 17. It says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So I know my faith is energized and activated when I read God's word, when, it, when I digest it and bring it into myself, and I can have confidence and assurance. Okay, next idea is this, on the backside of your notes. Engaging the Bible stimulates my growth. Stimulates my growth. So it recreates my life. It eliminates or eradicates my guilt. Uh, it also activates my faith, and then it stimulates my growth. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. We looked at this last week, but it's just a great verse to talk about this week as well. All Scripture, meaning every, everything in the book, is God-breathed or inspired, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man or woman may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every good work. So the purpose of the Bible is to equip us for every good work, to mature us, to, so we can learn. Now, what I want to do is I want to take those four words and help you to understand basically what he's talking about here. So when he says the Word of God teaches you, it means the Bible shows me how I get on the path. It shows me how I get on the path. That's teaching. How I get on the path. There we go. The Bible shows me how I get on the path. It shows me how to relate to God. It shows me how to relate to others. It shows me how to you know, relate to my spouse if I'm married, how to relate to men and women if I'm single. Uh, it tells me how to handle my finances. It tells me all the ways that God wants me to live. So it teaches me how to get on the path that God wants me to walk on. And then the second word he uses is rebuking. That's not a very good word, is it? Rebuking. How many of you like that word? No, well, only those who like pain, okay, like that word. It's not a very good word. But he's, the word rebuking is, it shows me how I got off the path. It shows me how I got off the path. That's what the word rebuking means. It's a tough one. It's really a tough one, this rebuking part. But oftentimes, this is the only thing that a loving God can do, is that a loving God will rebuke us when we get off the path because we, he knows that when we're off the path that we're heading down the wrong direction, direction of destruction, of pain, of hurting other people in some way. He wants us to then move back on. So what happens is, is that God will oftentimes allow circumstances that are difficult in our lives as a way to rebuke us. They allow those circumstances in our lives. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that he will discipline. So he'll allow circumstances into our lives that are difficult and painful in his way 
to rebuke us. Now, one thing I want to mention here, and I'm just going to kind of take a timeout in my message, okay? This is a timeout, and I'm going to give you my thoughts. This is, these are my thoughts. This is not about the Bible here. I'm going to talk about this word rebuking for a minute. Many people believe that the only thing God does is rebuke. Many people believe that the only thing God does is rebuke. Now, I want to ask this question. Why do they feel that way? Why do they think that? And I have an answer. This is my opinion. Because I believe that, unfortunately, many churches and followers of Christ make rebuking their main message. They feel that it's my obligation to rebuke others to bring them into line, to show them where they got off the path or where they're not on the path. And this is just my thought here, okay? I'll say it this way. The only people God rebukes, because I'm looking at the New Testament, the only people God rebukes are the ones in his family. In his family. He's not rebuking all the ones outside of his family. He's rebuking the ones inside his family. So I just want to say this. Before you go out and start rebuking people who are not in God's family, you need to be thinking, what is God doing? And you need to slow down this desire to rebuke everybody who's not living as you think that people ought to live because they're not in God's family. So here's what I want to say this. When Jesus came, he didn't come saying, I mean, he, he said, when he came, he said this. He says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but I came to what? To save the world. And the way that he saved the world was by what? Dying on a cross. And when he died on the cross, he was actually showing the world he what? Loves them. That he loves them. So what God's called us to do, if we're going to be like Jesus, this is all my opinion, okay? Just, what he's called us to do is instead of going out and rebuking everyone who's not living like we think they ought to live because we know God's word, and so pound it down onto people, he called us to what? To love them. To love them. I want you to think about this, especially right now with all the hostilities with our November 6th deadline coming up on us. I want you to think about this. And I just want to say a couple things else, a couple things more. This is all my thought, okay? Is that there are two views in our world that are prominent. They're butting heads and going at it. Two views, okay? Two prominent views. There's one, there's a biblical morality. That's a biblical morality. That's people who say, I believe in this book, and I I'm going to live by the morality of this book. I'm going to let this book call my shots. I'm going to let this book guide me. I'm going to do what this, this book says. Secondly, we have a cultural morality that's very strong and getting increasingly stronger in our world right now. Cultural morality. And the biblical morality is based on what God says. Cultural morality is based upon what I feel or what I think to be right. And what's happening right now in our culture is biblical morality and cultural morality are hitting head-on. They're hitting head-on. And what I want to encourage you with is this. 
we will not win the battle, those who believe in biblical morality, by pounding down on everyone who has based their whole life on a cultural morality in view of life. I just want to go deeper. This is going to be harder. The reason we're having such a struggle is that so many people who are followers of Jesus have adopted a cultural morality. So hard, because we have friends, we have all these folks, and we look at them and we say, well, God loves them, and I love So who am I to judge them? Who am I to say that they're wrong? Cultural morality, what I feel is right. Biblical morality. So what God's called us to do, who know Jesus Christ, is to live biblically. And I'll just add this. My, oh, you're not going to like me for this. Vote biblically. Okay? That's all I have to say on that. Okay. Let's go back. Back to the message now. Okay, so we have biblical and cultural morality, but he didn't call the church to rebuking. He called the church to love. I wish I had more time. Oh, okay. okay. Next, he says it's about correcting. That means it shows me how I can get back on the path. It shows me how I can get back on the path. So if you're only just beating people down and not telling, how, you know, always telling them how they got off the path, the Bible teaches, corrects us, and tells us how to get back on the path. So you just need to understand this. Everybody needs to realize this. God doesn't allow difficulty in your life to pay you back. God allows difficulty to bring you back, to draw you to himself. He says it's about training, and that means the last word is training. It shows me how I can stay on the path. So once I'm back on the path, he wants to train me so he can you know, show me how to stay on the path now that I'm back on it. Okay, next, engaging the Bible liberates my potential. It liberates my potential. And this is really one of the coolest presents we've opened this morning. Now this is important because here's the deal. Only God, your creator, knows your potential. If you're married, your spouse doesn't know your potential. If you're, you know, have children, you know, you don't know your children's potential. I guarantee you, your boss doesn't know your potential. <laughs> Only God knows your potential. Only God cares for you. And spending time in this book will allow him to speak to you about why he made you and the potential that you have in this world, in this life, to make a difference for eternity. John 8, Jesus said this. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and here's the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free to embrace your potential. See, God's words can free you in ways that you never can imagine. So here's what I want to do. I want to kind of wrap up today. I want to share you a story, share a story with you about a couple who came to understand the truth about God and themselves and how they were being liberated to be all that God made them to be. This is the story of Jeff and Sandy Brown, two people who inspire me beyond my imagination. Let's watch their story. Really? 
I'm Jeff and uh, this is my wife Sandy and uh, we've been married for about 26 years and we started coming to Twin Cities Church about four and a half years ago. Uh, and that's when we developed our relationship with Christ and some really amazing changes that have taken place in our lives. I suffered from high blood pressure and obesity and over the years I took medication for, for both the, the back pain and, and you know, high blood pressure. My challenges daily were uh, immobility, back spasms. Um, I had trouble just getting around the stores because my legs would go numb because of the spasms I would have. And I, with me, I had fooled myself into thinking I was as good as I had ever been. Um, I would go about doing business at the house. I'd work on the car when I needed to or mow the lawn or shovel snow during the winter. But, you know, I noticed people would worry about me. Neighbors would come by sometimes and, and say things like, hey, you're going to give yourself a heart attack. You know, you better be careful. And, um, you know, the truth was, at my heaviest, I had reached, um, I was over 330 pounds. And I was close to 290, and uh, I, we knew something had to change. So we were part of a Bible study group, and uh, friends, of, friends of ours there were really excited about this, this program in church. And it was a, you know, health conscious, good eating program that was called PRISM. And our friends were really enjoying it. They would come back with stories about how they were losing weight and losing inches and just feeling great about life again. We were encouraged by that, a little skeptical, of course, and had some questions, but I thought, why not give it a try? Uh, and I won't say it was easy, you know, it was really challenging at first, changing our eating. Uh, I didn't really realize how dependent we had become on processed foods and processed sugars. But we did as the program suggested and uh, we, we committed our new journey to God and we prayed and, and we asked for strength and we read the daily lessons and, and um, the daily scriptures that they provided and um, uh, pretty soon we were rolling. Before PRISM we really didn't have a, a game plan, we just ate whatever we felt like. Uh, our, our focus wasn't on nutrition or fitness, it was just on whatever felt we felt like eating at the time and that didn't really get us anywhere. But with God's help, my mind started changing and our body started changing along with that. And you know what was amazing is, even after decades of not doing anything and kind of sitting around, our bodies started to respond, and that was the amazing part, is how our bodies started changing, and um, it was like we flipped on a switch, and it seems like yesterday that Sandy couldn't tie her own shoes, and I can remember the, the pain in her face that she would experience just going about daily tasks. Uh, but these days, um, not only is she tying her own shoes, but she's strapping on running shoes. Yep, it's true. I ran the Daffodil 5K run last April, and also the 5K community run at our church in May. We share more adventures in, in our lives today. And, you know, even though our, our bodies have gotten a lot smaller, our, our lives have gotten so much bigger. I was so encouraged uh, by the changes that have taken place in our life. It's been exciting. And I wanted to help others with that. So um, about a year ago, I started um, assisting with classes in the PRISM class. And, and uh, about back in March, I started teaching my own class. And with God's help, some of those people, just since March, have already lost 50 to 75 pounds. Um, so one of the great things about this 
this program is when people see you change and they see your body changing, they want to know what's going on with you. They want to know what's happening and how they can get involved with it themselves. So it's, it's been wonderful. I love their story, and I've gotten to know them, and uh, oh, what sweet people. Four and a half years ago, they didn't know Jesus Christ, and now they know Jesus Christ, and they're letting him transform them through the power of his word. You, ta- you heard them talk about the things they're learning that from his word, and they're processing, and it's allowed them to make huge change in their lives, but here's the deal. And here's why I was so moved by their story. He said at the end, he says, we are changed and others are seeing the changes in us. And because others are seeing the changes in us, they want to change as well. And that's what we're talking about today. God doesn't just change us so that we'll be happier. And life will be easier. God changes us so that when we walk out of here and walk through our day, that people, instead of feeling the rebuke of religion will feel the love of Jesus Christ. And as they feel the love of Jesus Christ, that they'll be drawn to him and they'll want to know him as we do. So ask me, bow your heads and let's pray together. Well, Father, what wonderful gifts you offer us through your word. How exciting it is to be able to open up these packages when we open your word and and that we get to see what you have for us. You want to recreate us. You want to make us new. You You want to take this broken vessel that we bring in and that you want to make it into a new vessel. You want to take a broken heart and you want to make it into a new heart. You want to take a broken life and make it into a new life, God. And so, God, I, I pray for everyone in the room just right now who's never yet said yes to the love of Jesus Christ, that you would say yes to the love of Jesus today. He died on the cross to pay your penalty. He showed you his love. And he asked you to receive that love as his gift. And he would just say, Jesus, as much as I understand that, I'll, re- I'll receive you today. I'll receive your gift. I've got this whole bag of stuff, and I am so broken, Jesus. Will you forgive me? Will you make me clean? Will you make me into a new person? Will you eradicate the guilt that I feel? Oh, God, what? Will you stimulate my growth? Will you activate my faith? And will you liberate my potential to be all that you now made me to be and do as a new creation in Christ? And I pray that for everybody in the room, God, that you would help each of us to see ourselves as you see us, to love ourselves as you love us, 
and to give ourselves away as you've called us to do and modeled on the cross through your son. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.